know where you're going and know where you're at with the Onyx Maps Hunt app. If you're getting ready for the backcountry and for any of your hunting trips, mapping is an important tool. The Onyx Hunts map supports the Hunt Harvest Health podcast and is a great resource to help you learn your areas, units, and so much more. By using the promo code HHH20, all small H's, HHH20, you will get 20% off a new account. This means if you sign up for the new Elite Membership, which is the one-year plan and that has the best mapping data for all 50 states, you're going to save 20 bucks on that uh, membership. You can find more, including this promo code, at huntharvesthealth.com slash onxmaps. So today's uh, podcast is Ryan and I talking about his recent spring bear hunt here in Washington State. It's a uh, it's a little slow at first because when we recorded this, it was sort of late for us, and we had kids running around and everybody was kind of fatigued. Ryan's been doing a lot of work, like we said recently, and so <clears throat> getting him to sit down and do a podcast is been a bit of a challenge, but I think you'll hear that, uh, his love for bears and he hasn't, uh, I haven't known him to actually have a spring bear tag. So he's usually hunting for fall bears and, uh, which is a very, I think different experience for him because those bears are feeding on berries, etc. It's just a different, uh, climate that time of year. And so he got, he drew a spring bear tag this year and was really excited. It took him a couple tries of, you know, going in between work to get it done. But as usual, he got it done. And you can check out more about, you know, like on Instagram, of course, at stealthyhunter.com. And then on our website with these show notes, that'll be huntharvesthealth.com slash podcast slash spring bear. All right, folks, welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. I'm Doc Hillary, and Ryan's here. I am. <laughs> Barely. We're doing this podcast at I'm about... a little sleepy. ...almost 10 o'clock at night, and our two kids are still not put to bed, so we'll see how far we get. Yeah, and it's not like 10 o'clock is really late, but... <laughs> It is to us. It feels pretty late. Well, it's not late for you normally, but when you have to get up for work at three or four, it's pretty late. Yeah. We're not really walking our talk here about getting enough recovery sleep. This time of year, it's a busy year. I'm still recovering a little bit from my bear hunt, so I'm still a little, I'm still dragging, still trying to catch up, but. Yeah. And uh, that's, I think, what we're going to talk about on today's podcast is bears. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Talk about bears. I get a lot of a lot of folks asking about bears, not just spring bear, but uh, you know, here in Washington it seems like a lot more questions about fall bears because unlike a lot of states here like in the west, I think Idaho, Montana, there's, there's you know, Oregon's got a lot of over-the-counter stuff for spring bear, but here in Washington you have to draw a tag and it's not that easy to draw. I haven't drawn in 
five, six years, it's, uh, yeah, it's not the easiest tag to get here. Whereas in the fall, they let you have two bear tags and it's wide open. Um, why is that? It's a good question. Um, I would love to lobby fish and wildlife here in Washington to change that because we've got a lot of bears and, uh, the springtime is just a fun time to be out there. Um, you know, we're, we're not allowed to use hounds here anymore and we're not allowed to bait here anymore. And we don't have much of a spring season. They give out some tags, but very limited, um, for the amount of bears that we have. It's, uh, I don't know. Amongst all my group of guys, we're always trying to figure that one out. Like, why why don't they open it up more for spring bear? Because, um, yeah, no shortage of bears here, and especially on the west side of the state, they're everywhere. Do you think it has something to do, and I'm just literally making this stuff up? Could it be with? Could it be that they think? Bears need to like get out of hibernation and have some time out there, or they're confused <laughs> maybe, so they're nah, it's easier I, to get them. Or it. are they are they having cubs right now? Are mamas having cubs right now, or is that no? They they have they have the cubs in the den. They they come out and they've got cubs. Um, but no, I I don't think there's anything. I don't know. I I have no idea really. To be honest, I I mm. can't think of a a reasoning why, um, unless we were limited on how many bears we had, but, you know, we've got a lot of great country and it's, it's, you know, here on the West side of the state, it'd be really hard still to, uh, to get out and find yourself a bear, but we do have a lot of them. It'd be more walking logging roads and finding grass and, you know, that green stuff that greens up along the logging roads around here is usually where you find them in the spring. Um, whereas on the Eastern side of the, the mountains, it's, uh, you know, they're down in the same thing. They're they're looking for salad. They're looking for onions. Looking for feed, and uh, you know, it's it's just it's a lot nicer country over there. It's a lot more glassable, um, but they just don't give out many tags. I think they gave out. Well, I, I'm not sure. I'd have to look. I don't I don't remember the total number of spring bear tags, but it's just not that many. So yeah, if you want to do it consistent, you kind of have to go to a state like Idaho or Montana, which are great great places to go for spring bear and um you know i think i think generally their seasons are the same they're somewhere in that april 15th through june 15th time frame which is what i had this year um you know right out of the gates here in april 15th was still quite a bit of snow in the high country it was tough to get to some places where um you kind of wanted to go so you're kind of limited there. Most uh, last few years, though, it's been pretty wide open. You can get into these places pretty easy. But we had a huge snowpack this year, so everything was kind of tightened down, and you kind of had to start low and, and work your way up. But um, how many tra- how many tags got drawn in your area, your unit? I could tell you that, mm-hmm. but if I did, everybody <laughs> would know what unit I You'd was in. You'd have to kill me. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, uh, can I just make up a number? Everybody would know what unit that is. Uh, oh, you hunters are smart, man. You're like detectives. You're all out there <laughs> trying to figure it out. It's not too hard to figure out, but that would be making it too easy to figure out. So, well, I've in 20 years I've been married to you. I've never known you to go spring bear hunting. No, it's tough so. to get in the state. Yeah, tough to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to go to Idaho. So, no, I was real fortunate to get this tag. It's a little bittersweet though because I've really, 
I really love bear hunting, um, but I love it in the fall. You know, I like that time as well. And, uh, you know, I kind of hunt bears for the meat. I really, obviously, our whole family loves bear meat here. Um, and, uh, and the bears that I'm killing in the fall, in that August time frame, the, the places that I'm getting them, they're just packed full of berries. You know, it's, it's huckleberries, it's blueberries. So they just, uh, they've got a ton of fat on them and I've, I have never had a bad bear. I have no, no interest in hunting them around the rivers where you got fish or anything like that. There's, there's no skunk cabbage. There's none of that where I'm, I'm chasing these bears. So, um, you know, it, 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 I, I really like that season. So drawing the spring tag was cool because it opened up kind of a new time frame to, to get out there and, and look around and, you know, you get to get up there into the high country and see a ton of deer, a ton of elk. Um, you see a lot of bears. Everything's out um, in the open, glassable, uh, velvet. You know, the the bucks and bulls have dropped, and you're able to find sheds. And um, yeah, just a great time to be out there. So, uh, but again, if I wouldn't have drawn it, I would have been just still happy as a clam to go get my two bears in the fall. And, um, you know, here in Washington, you're able to get one on the west side or two on the west side or one on the west side and one on the east side. So you can get two on the west side, but no matter how you cut it, it's just one on the east side. Maybe we should explain for people that live in, like, Missouri and Massachusetts, because I know I've seen these, you know, these listeners. What does it mean, the east and the west side oh. of Washington? Oh, well, yeah. yeah, I guess I'm being a little bit yeah. Pacific Northwest specific. But, um, yeah, so Washington is really different. It's diverse. It's got the west side of the state, which is really about a third of the state. It's it's thick. It's dense. It's, uh, it's a rainforest. It's a rainforest. It's mm-hmm. green. It's got a lot of timber. Whereas you get over to the east side, you know, it, it's east side of the Cascade, east Mountains. side of the Cascade Range, yeah. um, okay. you know, the two thirds of the the state going east, it's uh, a lot more wide open. You know, you get this arid, you get the the uh, desert style, you get everything from acorn trees on the southern end by the Columbia, and then you get that, uh, you know, there's coolies at the northern end and a lot of sagebrush, and and then of course the pines and stuff. Um, middle of the middle of the state so it just varies a lot and it's it's a lot more enjoyable for me to hunt that east side of the state eastern half or eastern two-thirds just because it's more glassable it's easier to traverse and and cross country and um you know it's just it's not as thick it's not always raining we got a lot of rain here on this side and it's thick you got stinging nettles you got uh devil's club you got thick brush yeah so it's it's a bugger, but again, we've got we've got great animals on this side, but there's certain places that just aren't that enjoyable to hunt. So yeah, the Cascades are a really unique mountain range because the huge some of you know huge mountains, some some of the you know uh, fourteen thousand foot peaks like you know Rainier and Baker. I don't know how Thai yeah. peaks, but it's so dense and rainforest like. Uh, it's just so different than, you know, like where I grew up in the Rockies or even the east side of Washington where it's, like you said, that arid kind of Rocky Mountain feel, yeah. high and dry. Whereas, um, 
and big skies and here over here it's like he, big mountains but such dense it's but, underbrush underbrush and trees are so tall it's frustrating you got a lot Cedars of berries and, and stickers and stuff yeah, like that so it's uh it feels very in, enclosing almost when you and then you have the water not too far away so the the sound it's very it's a very different feeling than the big open big skies of Montana where you can actually get above tree line here you got to yeah, hike it's quite a ways. You say that cuz uh, you know I grew up here so when I first went to Montana I quickly realized why they called it Big Sky why yeah. they kind of nicknamed it that it's like holy smokes you can just see so much more it just seems like the sky is is, uh, is bigger over there is over here it's it's just seems smaller yeah. so yeah yeah it's real pretty here, though, you know? It's that lush green. I, I love it, but uh, it's easier to see stuff over on the east side and kind of track things in yeah. here when it's pouring You can grow a better foggy. garden on this side. That's for That's sure. one reason so why mild. we have such a hard time thinking about moving is that, oh, my gosh, things just grow here, like, so amazingly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get a mild climate all summer long for the most part. And then you have a hot house, and you can extend it both sides. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely more conducive. Whereas on the east side, it gets so bloody hot, it's it's hard to not have your certain veggies bolt on you. Just a little bit too hot and a lot shorter of a season. So Yeah, for sure. All right, well, uh, today we spent the day, you spent the day processing bear meat from this last trip that you were on and uh so i think the listeners would probably be really happy to hear a hunting story from you finally yeah it was a lot of fun um high hopes getting in there early and and spending a lot of days in the back country it was a wilderness style hunt and you know room to roam and um you know not that many tags given out for the area so uh, pretty excited to get back there and, and check out this place. And, um, I, unfortunately it's one of those years where work just destroyed my, my plans. It's just one thing after another, um, kept coming up. So I wasn't able to get in there and I, I kind of had a plan not to real early in April anyway, just with the way the snow was. So what I did was, um, kind of plan my trip into May, um, and, Figuring there'd be even more bears out, be easier to get into the high country, um, to access it. And, and so, um, <clears throat> yeah, first trip in, saw, you know, half a dozen bears or whatever. And, uh, there was one bear particular back there that I really wanted to get. He was just a hog. And, you know, you, you spend all day glassing that time and, and glassing down, you know, I kind of try to get up. And, and glass down into those bottoms that lower third of the mountain into the alders and into that green and um and if there's a burn or anything like that man the, the greenery under there it's just a chartreuse it's like it's just practically glowing and the bears just love it and so really spend a lot of time glass and uh, burns and um and uh just tend to find bears in there <clears throat> so that first trip in was was I I, I never did end up uh, even even stalking any bears. Um, saw one really good one, and uh, like I said, I really wanted this one that was just huge. But um, 
planned on going right back in after that trip and it just didn't happen i had like i said a lot of work stuff just piled on and we had you know with the work i do here we had sturgeon openers and uh, halibut openers and everything was just kind of uh keeping me out of the mountains so um time got tight there at the end came down to the last week of the season and and this last week I went in there and, and, uh, you know, there's nobody back in there at all. Um, and yeah, spent some days and it's funny, the first, uh, first night I bombed over there, um, took a while to get there. And that first day in, uh, I had, I had probably four hours of daylight and so I was hustling. I really wanted to get back and, and get some good glassing in that evening, which is like prime time for, for that time of year for bears. And, uh, shoot, I got in there only about a mile and a half and for some reason I kind of stopped and I don't remember what I, why I stopped, but, uh, I turned my head and, and then I caught movement and I looked to the left and shoot 20 yards. Here comes this big old Tom walking by me, um, big old, big old cat. And, uh, he had no idea I was there just 20 yards walking right. And he walked right across the trail I was walking and he got, I don't know, probably 20 yards past it. And then he kind of figured it out. He looked back at me and, and uh, eyeballed me for a half a second before he took off. But, no, it was pretty cool to see that big old giant cat. There's a ton of cats in this country. Um, they're pretty prevalent. You know, you see tracks in, in the snow and all that. But you just don't tend to see the darn cats. So that was a pretty cool sighting. But um, anyway, so I, I did end up getting in there. I don't know. I probably only got in there four four and a half miles or so and, and uh threw up my camp and glassed that whole evening and didn't end up seeing anything that night uh saw a lot of deer a lot of elk um which was cool trying to take photos of you know deer that looked like they were going to grow pretty good they they were already out you know out past the years and, and just sprouting so um that was a lot of fun but that night didn't see anything woke up um a little bit of rain patter on my tent and I uh, wasn't expecting that and sure enough I I got up at four and you know got got my food going and coffee going and quickly realized that it was just socked in I couldn't see anywhere I I opened up the tent and, and I couldn't see you know 50 yards it was just just completely socked in. All right, so yeah, I was uh, I was up on that top, and I just I gave it a couple hours, hoping that fog would lift. Um, now I only had you know I didn't have that much time, so I didn't want to burn my whole day just hunkered down in my tent. Um, so I I was getting a little restless, I'll admit, but uh, it came to a point where it didn't look like it was going anywhere. And the, the weird thing is, it was windy; it was blowing like crazy. Usually you get wind, it blows that fog right out of there, but it uh, it was it was sucked in. So what I did was I figured, well, I'm either going to have to hike out of here, I'm going to have to hike down, way down, and hopefully I can go out of this fog. So um, I took a ridge and uh, started bombing down and went down. I don't know how many feet I dropped down. It was a long ways, but could not get out of that fog. So I figured, well, this mountain, it must be from top to bottom. So... Uh, hiked back up to the top, broke down my camp, and, uh, and bebopped out of there, um, which was disappointing, I, but I really wanted to get some hunting in on that day, so I hit the truck and, uh, and bombed down 
dropped a bunch of elevation and I did end up getting out of the fog. So found a spot where, um, you know, I could get out of it, hiked into a new area that I had checked this area out. Um, I'd really uh, picked it apart on some map mapping and, um, you know, it looked like a great spot as well. So I went in there, not just totally blind, but, uh, but it was a spot that I'd kind of had in my head. So got in there and, um, man, just started glassing. And of course I could tell that fog was lifting. It was probably at two and two o'clock in the afternoon and it started lifting everywhere. So then I was kind of like, man, I should have stick it out up there. But I, uh, I started seeing a lot of sign where I was and, um, uh, let's see, first bear I saw, saw a really nice cinnamon right out of the gates, um, Saw another one, saw blonde. I mean, the the color phase bears in this area, it's phenomenal. You know, you get black, you get blonde, cinnamon, chocolate, everything. And you just never know what you're going to see. So it's pretty awesome. Um, but a lot of blondes. It seems like more blondes than, than uh, you see in places. And I ended up seeing two blondes, one really good blonde and then a smaller blonde on this trip. So that was pretty cool. I ever get a shot at a another blonde i've taken one really just i mean it was like bombshell blonde it was just like highlights super cool bear i took a few years back and um uh just don't see that many but so i got in there and ended up putting a few miles on and just like i said glass and glass and glass and the bears weren't really moving around too much during the day um, it was more of a, you know, kind of a late afternoon type thing where you'd really start seeing them. Um, otherwise they would kind of hunker down in those burns and, uh, in the bottoms and in the alders and, uh, it just, you know, you just, you glass, 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 you never know with bears, they're unpredictable. So you never really know when you're going to have one move across to, you know, a, a draw or, or running ridges, you know, they're, it's time of year they're, they're rutting. So those big old boars will travel. But uh, I wasn't seeing a whole lot during the day, so I just kept covering country and and um, you know glassing a whole lot of new stuff and um, a lot of alder patches and the edges of alders and, and down that lower third still where it was nice and green. It's really where I was seeing most of the sign. I wasn't seeing it on the ridges, um, but uh, so anyway, um, that that night I ended up seeing a really. Well, really nice big blonde. It was, yeah, it was a, just a beautiful bear. And so I really wanted to uh, kind of spend some time um, there. So that that night I'd, I'd camped um, up on the ridge, and uh, after I'd glassed that bear up, he was in the right in the bottom, and and I got down in there, and it just I did not have enough time. He, he kind of disappeared on me. It got dark, and so I bombed out. Went back up, camped. Figured I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the whole day down there trying to find that blonde bear. And so that's kind of what I did. I got up early and uh, got down in there. Of course, it was morning. Nothing's really moving at all. Never saw anything uh, for most of that day. And it wasn't till um, I don't know four o'clock or so. And I had a had a uh, that's pretty decent. It's kind of a darker cinnamon, almost chocolate. It's hard to tell. It's kind of been some dark timber, but. Uh, darker bear and, and he came through and and uh you know he was pretty decent but I really had my kind of my heart set on that big old blonde just because he was a good sized bear but um 
so I pretty much stuck it out. It was a pretty boring day. I stuck it out on that spot for the entire time. And, uh, and sure enough, that evening, I, I saw where that blonde had gone in to a spot, just, just kind of moved through a patch down in there and, and, uh, I only saw him for a few seconds, and so I knew he was there, and, and so I was just parked on it. I saw two bears down there, saw cinnamon as well. And so I sat on that spot for um, what I did is actually I moved down, draw down towards that bottom and got really close, got within probably 100 yards, but, you know, I was in a spot where the wind wasn't going to get me and um, just wanted to get as close as I could that that wasn't gonna uh, screw up the uh, screw up the hunt or have any chance of blowing them out but um, got down in there and sure enough I spent a ton of time and it's not like you can take a nap when you're we you know a bears and some alders um, because those bears they move and they'll move fast but all of a sudden you know they could come out and I could miss him and he could just kind of move out on me and I'd never see him so I did not want to take a nap just one of those deals is just keep glassing you know you know all the areas you can and and stay focused on that spot and and sure enough he he ended up coming or the blonde didn't come out but the cinnamon did and so um i ended up taking that cinnamon and it was it was a dandy but um i ended up shooting him at 30 yards he was uh yeah he came came out of that at 100 and and walked right at me and walked right in fact he walked right by me and it's funny because uh, early on in the season, I was going, uh, with the bow and I really wanted to get him with the bow. But then when it came down to the end, I, I ended up breaking out the boomstick and, uh, went with the rifle, just, just really wanting to, uh, you know, fill that tag. And the country I was in was not really conducive to, to bow hunting. It was really tough spot and stock and, um, real steep, a lot of rocks, uh, just not that great for that and the bears in there there's little patches amongst the alders and and you'll see them kind of move through those and so getting a stock in in those alders is really hard unless they come out of them and they they get up on the hillside or something so um yeah i went in with the rifle and uh and i'll be danged if that bear didn't come right at me and he walked within 30 yards and i could have totally stuck him with my bow but you know i was i was happy to get him and you know i'd I dumped him right there. He didn't go but 10 feet. So that was pretty cool. Um, I uh, was really happy. Got up to him, and he was just a really nice big old boar, cinnamon-colored bear. And so, um, you know, I was obviously I was way down in a hole and uh, took a few photos and and started uh, started breaking him down. And, yeah, I worked well into the night on that one. Um, it was... Uh, it was a super heavy pack out. Ended up getting that bear back up to camp um, that night. I don't know what time it was. It must have been probably midnight or so. Bombed out of there super early next morning. So, yeah, it worked out really well. Um, it was a lot of fun and um, so happy to get that bear. And Like I said, we spent the whole day cutting him up and uh, made some burger and made uh, quite a few little steaks and roasts, made some nuggets, actually rendered down some of the fat. Um, and I've got a ton of fat already rendered in jars, but I wanted some fresh stuff and I wanted to make some nuggets for the girls. So 
ended up rendering down some of the fat off of this thing and, um, you know, cutting up some small pieces and just making bear nuggets, and it was awesome. Uh, Paley's one of her favorites, so uh, she loves that. But then we made some bear burgers, and um, which is what I had promised her. She, It's funny, when I left uh, for this trip, um, it was the second trip over, and she, she was really bummed out on my first one. I didn't get a bear, so she said, um, basically, Daddy, we got to have bear burgers when you get back. You need to get one. So it was, uh, it was a lot of pressure and got a lot of meat off of it. Holy smokes. I spent the whole day just cutting, you know, trimming the fat, you know, uh, getting every little piece of, uh, you know, fascia and fat off of them and, um, you know, ground it up real nice and packaged it up, got all the steaks all perfect and, um, got some roast and it's going to be, yeah, it's going to, I didn't weigh it, but it's, it's a pile of meat. So, um, I'm really super happy about it. And, uh, you know, pulled the claws off of this sucker and and got those for Paley's. Is another thing that she really wanted was some some more bear claws. So uh, that all worked out really well. But uh, yeah, so that was basically my spring bear hunt. So besides the bear that you brought home, I noticed you brought some mushrooms and some fiddleheads home too. Yeah, I did somewhere in there. <laughs> I w- I went out foraging. I think actually I missed a day in there. I think, th- yeah, there was one day that I was actually, I, I saw a couple more bears. Went down this other ridge, but um, yeah, I got into this dark timber and boy, found actually right on the edge of some dark timber and some alders and uh, started finding a whole pile of morels and um, boy, up there where the where the snow had just kind of went away. Um, you know, all the fiddleheads were, were fresh. Um, you get those bracken fiddlehead ferns and, you know, of course down here in the lowlands, those things have, uh, all fully mature. They're, they're not worth picking at this point, but up there it's so late. Um, yeah, I picked a bunch of those, uh, fiddlehead ferns and, um, got a bunch of morels and, and, uh, of course, pretty much at all times, every time I, kind of hit a spot to glass on those ridges um, I was digging up with my hiking sticks um, with my trekking poles uh, I was digging up onions those wild onions um, those things are delicious you never bring any wild onions home that's because I eat them I just can't what do they, are they taste like an onion yeah. are they super yeah they're good strong they're, like an onion yeah yeah they're they're tiny so you got to eat you know a handful of them but um yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many onions I eat, but you find yourself just sitting up there, and then you kind of look around, and you're you got you know a couple thousand onions around you, so you just start rooting them up and kind of pass the time and wipe the dirt off and and eat them up. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. It's kind of like picking berries, but you're uh, rooting around in the ground. And I get a lot of pictures, or I see on Instagram pictures <laughs> of wild onions being eaten, and I'm like, I love them. He They're never so brings wild onions home. I think I could have uh, filled my exo pack with wild onions and mm. probably just packed that out of the mountains. And yeah, next time. Yeah, well. yeah. Actually, you think about it, I could have, you know, I I pickle a lot of onions here. Those little tiny, you know, they're not even a dime size. Mm. You know, the bigger ones are about dime size. Um, that would be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Just packing a pile of those out and, and uh, pickling them up, but. 
No, I never bring them out. I just eat them. Yeah, my breath just smells like onion back Looks there. That's good for your immune system while you're back there. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's all kinds of stuff you can eat up there. It's pretty cool. But yeah, it's still still a lot of morels and um, and yeah, like I said, the fiddleheads and and then the onions. So yeah, talk. T- you've done quite a bit of morel hunting this spring, actually, mm-hmm. and w- I put a section on the website. Under Healing Foods, I put a morel section on there because you brought home <laughs> a couple of huge bags of morels. What hunt? Where were you at when you did that? You were hiking, scouting? This, this year, I've just were been finding them all over the place. And um, you brought home huge bags of them. And so I took, we took a bunch of pictures and yeah. I put them on the website. I haven't put a recipe on yet, though. I probably should do that. But morels are pretty much like you just clean them and then saute them. And we saute them in a butter. Cook yep. them really well because you'll Kerrygold get sick if you don't cook butter, them. And that's about it. It's yeah. really easy. And salt. Yep. And that is like, those things are so good. They're just. Yeah. They're and with bear meat, they're yeah. even better. It's yeah. just awesome combo. We had that tonight. Yep. We had that tonight in our. We made some bear meat tacos yep. with morels that you brought home. Yeah, it was a great morel season. Um, it was really good. And, you know, with them, uh, you know, we start finding them back in April, you know, first part of April. at the lo- in Down in the lowlands, you know, we, we find them around here in the cottonwoods. And then, uh, you know, as it gets... Later in the season, you just kind of have to move up the mountain and move up the mountain. And right now, they're, you know, they're up there. I don't know what the elevation is, but, um, you know, shoot, I'll find them, you know, into July, way up in the high country, scouting. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty a pretty good time frame, time range that you can find those morels from uh, down in the lowlands to up in the high country. So, yeah, got to be one of the... One of the favorite mushrooms out there. I found some coral mushrooms and um, on this trip as well. And you know, the springtime you don't find as many morels are kind of the number one. A lot more of the corals and the and uh, you know, chanterelles are a big one for us in the fall. Um, elk season is just like prime time for mushroom hunting. You find a lot of chanterelles. You get uh, a lot of the cauliflowers. You get chicken of the woods, hen of the woods. Uh, a lot of different corals and matsutakis and it's it's a pretty awesome time in the fall early fall to uh, be out there mushroom hunting and chasing bulls but um yeah this time of year you don't find as many edibles as you do in the fall i think the morels too are better if you can get a big enough stash of them i think they're better for uh dehydrating than the chanterelles yeah they seem to rehydrate better and just uh, the chanterelles. Chanterelles are all water. Yeah, so they just don't. When you dehydrate well. them, they get. I mean, they lose. It seems like ninety percent of their size, if not more, and uh, they just don't rehydrate very well. Um, they they they're never. They're just kind of spongy when you rehydrate them. They're chewy. They're not that fresh taste. So, morels rehydrate really well. Um, also. You know, cauliflower mushrooms, which we get a lot of around here, those things rehydrate really well as well. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're just and they're so delicious. Um, yeah, yeah. When I find a cauliflower, I, 
I'm pretty happy. Um, we still have some hy- uh, dehydrated here, I think. Chantrells? No, the... the uh, oh, cauliflower. Cauliflower ones. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, I put them in soups and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so um, you know, I think one of the other questions we see a lot, and we get a lot of in the, on the topic of bear hunting, kind of back to that, is the whole concept of cooking it. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and what's the best way to cook it, and how well should we cook it? And I know you and I today were looking online at recipes, because we do that quite a bit, and you were just like, man, people cannot trust what's on the internet. <laughs> and you were reading uh, me some comments that had people were <clears throat> saying about how they cook their bear burgers medium rare and all this stuff. Yeah, it's, and so, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. I mean, you see all sides when you get online. It is it is not the best place for information. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, talking to somebody, some old-timer or somebody who's done it a lot is, is a much better way for information than online because, yeah, I, then I got interested. I started seeing some completely contradicting uh opinions on um cooking bear which i never thought there was anybody that would actually say to cook it medium rare because maybe not everybody knows this but uh trichinosis is is very worrisome when um when you're eating bear so i mean it's really easy you just you just cook it well done and you know make sure that meat gets up to uh near about 160 degrees and you're and you're completely safe you've uh you've killed the trick but if you cook it rare <clears throat> medium rare you are setting yourself up for some bad stuff to happen in about two and a half weeks um you know i would never want to risk eating something eating a bear that uh that may have trichinosis now sure not all of them do but it's a pretty awful thing to get and once you have it you've always got it um you can you can kick it but i know the muscle fatigue and the abdominal pain and all the things that go along with trichinosis are not something i ever want to deal with so pretty easy cook your bear all the way through um make sure it gets up to 160 degrees and and uh make sure you don't you know i think i think you're supposed to you know even after you've cooked it to 160 wait a few minutes so it's it, it kills those little buggers but just don't take any any chances um some folks do and it, it boggles my mind that they actually will do that um similar with mushrooms some people will eat like a false morel and um you know they they'll just take that risk that they're not going to get that get sick from it uh i don't want to take those kind of chances so yeah cook your bear cook it all the way and and you won't have to uh worry about trichinosis so and if you don't know what trichinosis is i think there's some some people don't actually understand what it is but it's a parasite uh and kind of a cute thing it'll give you like the abdominal pain and the diarrhea and all that but then about a week later you'll start to have muscle pain joint pain and you can also see like a rash (coughs) you get a rash all over your body and that is because the parasite has actually gone from your gi tract into your muscles yeah it gets into your your muscle tissue and i think it takes about a couple weeks two and a half to three weeks before it really gets into your body and you're really starting to feel it um yeah 
And so then you have to take antiparasitic drugs, which are, you know, aren't that great to take either. They can <laughs> give you this vomiting and diarrhea and all that, but, you know, you're trying, your body's trying to get rid of its parasites. And honestly, I think, yeah, like you said, some of the hardest infections to get rid of or to calm down are parasitic infections. And so, you know, it's just not even worth it, not, not cooking your meat. Um, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, and, but. Well, the thing about it is it's, it's, when it comes to bear, bear is kind of greasy. It's kind of, uh, it, you can't, I don't know. I guess you could probably overcook it, but you can't in a way. Because what I like to do with it, you know, if you're not making burgers, which, um, you know, it's pretty easy to cook a burger all the way through and it's not, it, it doesn't, you don't lose anything. Um, especially if you've added some fat to it. But eh, what I like to do is I like to toss a roast in the, uh, and bake it 500 degrees, let that thing just kind of sear the edges of it. And then, um, you know, shut the, shut the oven off and, and just let it sit there for a few hours and it completely cooks it through. Um, and, uh, you have no issues. It totally cooks it through and it, the meat's not tough. It's still really, really tender. Mm -hmm. And that's always been my favorite way to cook bear. Um, and you, then you can slice that off and it's just awesome. It's juicy and it's just, it's, you know, there's no pink, obviously it's cooked all the way through. It's really good. But, um, yeah, I, I will say that, uh, bear, like a lot of people, you know, that I think for bear hunters out there, you're used to this, um, reaction from the, the, uh, rest of the population is like, what you eat bear, you know, it's, it is so funny. I remember, was it a Joe Rogan podcast or he was on a gritty podcast, I think talking about how he, posted pictures of like a fish and then he posted pictures of a dead fish and then he posted pictures of yeah people get weirded and out then by bears they, he posted it's... a picture of bear meat or whatever and people just like lost their minds and i always was kind of the same way because you didn't you didn't really start bear hunting till about 10 years ago i don't feel like well you were, you were not not so into it yeah I'd yeah probably, the last it, 10 years is when i really really dialed it to yeah. where i want make sure i get those two bears every year yeah it's and not just see one and, and and take it it's i'm going for them okay so when i was pregnant with paley our first daughter i was i don't know i think i was like seven months pregnant and i started having i was having some early i had a lot of early contractions so i was one of those those Braxton Hicks contractions where you think you're having contractions are very different than labor contractions. And when you've never been pregnant before, you don't know what they are. They're really weird. Yeah, I don't know what and they I are. And I used to have a... No, you wouldn't. <laughs> oh, you're so lucky. Um, so I used to have a practice in Montana. And I was going to Montana every six weeks or eight weeks, right? And I was working. I was pregnant, pretty pregnant. By then, I was like seven, seven and a half months. And uh, my... Uh, my mother threw a baby, my mother's friend threw a baby shower for me. Remember this story? Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> it was beautiful. She has a beautiful house in the mountain and, and, uh, she had these really big b bird feeders out there and, and the bears used to come 
and they would eat around the bottom of these bird feeders. And so it was a really nice day. And uh, let's see, when did I have her January? It was like October or something, end of October. And these bears came, and the mama bear came with her cubs, and they were just sunning themselves literally, like, right on the back porch. So, so everybody there, and again, if you know my history with hunting, you know, it was very difficult, and, like, just just because of a lot of the the ways in which I was raised, let's say. And so these bears were there, and everybody kept saying, oh, it's such a good sign, it's wonderful, these bears are here at your baby shower, and it's magical. <laughs> and of course, I, you know, I still do believe that. I mean, if I was, if I was sitting here on my back porch, and a bear, and a if mama bear and two cubs walked into my backyard, now, I might definitely be alarmed, but I would also be like, wow, that's a really special moment, you know, and I, I think that it's like, wow, that is, that's really cool. So the very same day I got on a flight home and I started not feeling very good and I got home and I was not feeling very good. And I think it was a day or two later, uh, my caretaker advised that I go to the hospital and get some checkups because I'm having a lot of these contractions. And as we're driving to the air, to not to the airport, as we're driving to the midwives, it's about an hour drive from our house. We're just driving, and this is kind of how Ryan was. He's like, oh, yeah, so I got Paley a bear rug. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I got her a bear rug. What does that mean, you got her a bear rug? And remember, I'm not feeling very good. I've kind of nauseous, which with that baby, I was not, I was on medication, so I would keep food down. So I was nauseous and pain and worried and scared that something was wrong. And he's just casually drops that he got a pear rug, bear rug well, it for the baby. It was a beautiful cinnamon colored, yeah, it's really nice, long haired cinnamon bear. So I'm just a so perfect like, perfect huh? rug to lay a baby on. And <laughs> so I was like, huh? totally comfortable. And then I said, what does that mean? He's like, well, I killed a bear. And I just went into this massive, like, hormonal <laughs> rage. And, you know, I, obviously any of you out there who have been married to a woman who's had a baby or you're a woman who's having a baby, you know, your hormones are crazy. And I just literally two days before I had this magical experience with these bears sunning themselves at my baby shower. And here's my husband telling me that he shot and killed a bear for the baby. And I just went into this hormonal rage. And I was like, it's your fault that this is happening. (laughs) You are the reason I'm having these contractions. If I lose this baby, it's your fault. I mean, I just went off on you. Remember that? Yeah, in the crazy, car, though. and he was like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, <laughs> "There are bears at my baby shower on the thing. Now you killed them. You killed the bear." And he's like, "I didn't kill that bear." And I'm like, "It doesn't matter. You killed a bear, and that's why I'm having this." And and I just, I was so mad. I wouldn't even talk to him. I was sobbing, crying. Got to the uh, midwives and. I got to the hospital and spent a couple hours there, and he just didn't really say anything after that. He was like, all right, well, that was not a good time to tell her about the bear. 
And then I think we got that bear rug, I think, when Paley was two or one. She was she was walking around, like, because we got pictures of her on the couch with it and stuff. But she was walking around in a diaper, so she was older than one. Yeah, the But we actually got, got it back. Yeah, I got that one rugged because it was, uh, it was such a cool hide. So yeah. nice long hair on yeah. it. It was great. But I guess the point to my story was is, is kind of... Well, usually, usually I don't get them, like, rugged because I'm too cheap. Well, yeah. Because it's so expensive to get them rugged, and um, I'm yeah. kind of going for the meat. Um, I do take the skulls out in the claws, but... Not a real yeah. big rug guy because of the because of the cost. So, um, but once you have a back, couple, it's right. like it's plenty. To get back to the, my point, it was it was like this. I think the reaction that a lot of the population has around bears and the whole idea of hunting bears and eating their meat, and I think the emotional reaction to hunting a bear correlates to a lot of people that their meat isn't edible or something right. or like you shouldn't eat their meat well, and and what i found since you've been bringing bear home and i'll i'll be honest elk is my favorite by far i love elk but if you want to fattier meat that's excellent in soups and like for like burritos like we had tonight you know bear is it I mean, it's it's got a lot more flavor. And now I'm used to fall bear because Ryan, actually, this bear we ate tonight was really good. I didn't feel like it tasted that was any great. worse. So, um, <coughs> I I will admit now that bear is actually one of my my more favorite meats to eat, and uh, I love making soups with it. It makes a really yummy broth. Uh, a bear does, but. Yeah, I think, and, and yeah, I've yeah. noticed that too. You know, there's just well, bears there's are, that emotional let's reaction face it, to I mean, bears. Bears are pretty fun to look at. You just never know what bears are going to do. So yeah, I, I find myself. I love watching bears. I love you know just seeing what they do because they do weird stuff. They're just you know a blast to watch. But um, but yeah, some people. That's the line, right? Um, they'll be okay with hunting. They'll be okay with, you know, maybe deer, you know, an elk, but, um, they'll draw the line at the bear. And, and what uh, it's, that's fine. It's interesting. What is that emotional difference between like an elk dying and a bear dying? Is it the way they look? Do you think it's the way they look? That they look... I think they're cute. They're cute. I think, I think a lot of people more of that. think they're... Yeah, what is it? I've heard and somebody then I think try to that. explain it as far as their, you know, like growing up with cartoons, you know, Smokey the Bear. What's the What's the other ones? The one that everybody. I think of the Jungle Book. When the I Jungle think Book. Of bears. Yeah. Um, which one? What's his name? His name is. I should know this. I've only had to watch it like a thousand times, and actually haven't seen it in a couple of years. So Jungle Book. Oh, we just watched the new one recently that came out yeah, with remember. Mowgli and uh, Babalu. But uh, oh my gosh, this yeah, is horrible like parenting. We don't know the bear's name. Teddy bears. I don't know what it is, but um, you know they're cute. And they're cuddly teddy I bears. I also think that people grow up thinking that they're people correlate a bear to a female energy because when we see a bears a lot, we think of a mama bear with her cubs, 
And I think there's also that emotional uh, really? symbolism that we put with bears. Like we call it mama bear, right? Like you're being a mama bear. A mama bear is kind of like you're being protective. And we use that synonym to do that. So when I think of bears, now if I'm thinking of a grizzly. So when I think of grizzlies, I think of that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio with that guy in the Bridgers that got mutilated by the a bear. Revenant holy cow and that crawled like miles to survive so when you think of black bears you're thinking when i think female, of a black but when bear, you think of grizzly think of, you're thinking of a male yeah so when i think hmm. of a black bear i think of a cuddly i think of a mama bear and her cubs and cute little cubs and i don't think of like a violent bear so the whole idea that you're going to kill this mama bear who's just protecting her young children is like weird to me. But I think that's what people think of when they think of a black bear because they don't. I know if you say a grizzly bear, I, I think, think that's a, what you think of. I don't, I don't think well, most people saying, think that they're no, like well, a female remember, energy. I am, I am, I thought for many years, like the majority of the population, I'm yeah. just telling you what I would correlate a black bear to. Now, I think if you say a I've grizzly heard, bear to somebody. I've heard Ronella and other folks, I don't think Ronella came up with it, but somebody else did, but um, charismatic megafauna. Uh, they're charismatic. Yeah, like they're, they have like they a have personality. personality. Like this mama bear is <clears throat> literally like with those bears sunning themselves on the porch at my baby shower. Mm -hmm. Like that that bear yeah. looked like she's going to like stand up and be like, hey, congratulations. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's how we're looking on them like that. And so to me, when I think of a black bear, I think of that. I don't think of the male boar. I don't think of them as warring animals that are killing each other and males fighting. Mm -hmm. Now, if I think of a grizzly, I think of that because I grew up by Yellowstone Park and there were a lot of gr there grizzly attacks, grizzly deaths. It was always like a grizzly that was attacking people in their tents. Um, I think of Alaskan bears. Aren't those grizzlies up there? Yeah. Okay. That, that, those are, I think of Alaska. That's like... I think of grizzlies. I don't yeah. think of like sweet little mama bears, but a black bear is different. And and yet black bears probably hurt more people than than any. Maybe that's because there's more of them, but they uh yeah, black bears do attack quite a bit. Now a lot of that is mama bear protecting the babies. Um it seems like circumstances happen where guys get in between the two and that's where a lot of the attacks but sometimes not you know sometimes black bears are just like i said they're they're one of those critters that are so unpredictable you never know what they're going to do when you're watching them now um, when you're hunting sorry for all you bear hunters out there i'm i'm asking questions related to when you're hunting them are you like when we talked with dave baronio he you know he obviously has a great love for bears and mm -hmm. he bear hunts and he was talking about, you know, the boars and the older, the older males. And are you always killing males when you shoot them? Or yeah, are you, are you, don't you have killing to. women? Are you women? See, there I go again. That, that like, that, no, so, that emotional thing. Do you kill females too? Uh, you can. Yeah. You're not limited to boars only. Now, bears are hard to identify. Um, bears are hard to judge the size of 
and they're hard to identify the sex a lot of times. Unless you watch them for a little bit. You know, there's some that, that kind of stand out. You know, you kind of watch how they walk. You watch how their how their um, their backside is, how it slopes, and and their their muzzle. And you you know, you look at the ears, and you look at all these things, and it's it's not that easy to judge sometimes. Now then, there's bears that immediately you see them, and you're like, oh wow, that's a big bear. But when you're looking at them through binoculars at you know 200, 300, 400, 500 yards. Man, a lot of guys get fooled. Um, all of us get fooled. You know, when you first throw your binoculars up and you're looking, you're like, man, that looks like a big old bear. And then you really start looking, and it might not be a big bear at all. It could just be a little butterball. could be a one-and-a-half-year-old bear. Um, and then you'll kind of know, notice the mannerisms, you know, how quick they move. And big bears move slowly. They've kind of got a certain walk to them, a certain pace. Um but I've been fooled before, and and trying to judge a boar versus a, a sow, yeah, it's difficult. You, that's why you tend to spend a lot of time watching them and looking at them. Can um, you tell when they're pregnant? Pregnant? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you can't. So are bears only... Are they only I pregnant have, in hibernation? I've never been out in the woods and saw a bear and said, whoa, that's a <laughs> prego mama right there. No, they uh Are no. they in hibernation when they're pregnant? They are. They and are. having babies, so there's no chance of shooting a pregnant sow? <laughs> yeah, you could. You, I mean, they they breed right now in June, um, you know, the, the latter half of May and, and into June there. So, you know, now is when the rut is going on, and... Uh, and then it's, you know, the rest of the year, yeah, they're pregnant. And then, you know, come November, they're, they're uh, starting to hibernate. So, uh, but then they have those babies while they're, they tend to be, uh, you know, all hunkered down in, the, in some hole somewhere or in some tree hollow somewhere. So, but no, I've, I have never seen a big old fat mama <laughs> walking across and say, wow, she's ready to pop. <laughs> Well, I also I also think it was a great point when we talked with Dave. I learned a lot from Dave about bears that obviously yeah. I know nothing about this topic, even though I seem to be highly emotional about it. Um, and and the whole aspect of hunting with hounds and hunting um, with bears. Yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions out there when it comes mm-hmm. to that. You know, it, it's such an emotional response to do what our state did, and that was just to ban it. You know, uh, once it came up and they're like, well, you know, you're, you're cheating, you're baiting when in reality, what that allows you to do is, you know, what we want to do as hunters, as conservationists is take out those older age class boars. They may be a non-breeding boar. They may be an old boar that, you know, um, that they'll go out and they'll kill a lot of the cubs, you know, the new recruit uh, the, the new recruited cubs that are coming up and they'll kill those and they'll, they'll eat them, um, just to get that sow to, uh, to go back into season. And, um, that's one of the things that they do. Well, as hunters, kind of what we do is look for that biggest, biggest animal, the oldest age class boar, you know, bears live a long time. Well, one way to do that is through baiting you know you get them close you're able to see that bear at 20 yards 30 yards 40 yards and you're able to id him see exactly how big he is how old he is what he is you know sour boar 
And um, that's probably the best way to identify what you're going to shoot. Whereas when you don't, when you're not allowed that, and like for a fall season where you tend to see bears at a distance, um, you know, guys will see one and they'll just think he's huge and he's not. And it could have been a cub. could have been a smaller one-and-a-half-year-old bear that they shoot. Um, whereas if they would have been allowed to bait them or even use hounds and, you know, put them up a tree, then you can tell and you can get up on that bear and really judge him and say, okay, you know, that's a little bit too small. Let's let that guy go. Let's keep running um, and go find ourselves, you know, a bigger bear or an older age class bear. And uh, that's kind of the same thing with the with the baiting. So I, I, would, I would prefer we could do it. Now, that's not to say I would do it, but it makes sense as far as conservation-wise, what you're trying to take out of the population and what gets taken out Mm -hmm. as it stands right now. Um, A lot of those older-age class boars don't get shot because guys will tend to shoot the first one they see and um, or they just misjudged it, you know, misjudged the size, which happens all the time. Whereas that would not have happened if they would have been able to see it, you know, 30, 40 yards away. And the unfortunate part is, and I've talked about this before, is, um, you know, sure, with the politics of our state, they took away, uh, they took those things away. But what they had to do is hire hound hunters to go run hounds all over the place, you know, just out here um, behind our place. They they set quotas for these guys to come in, hired uh, houndsmen to come in and shoot bears so they're still getting hound hunted but not by the public the public is paying for fish and wildlife to pay guys to go hunt these bears mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense at all still getting hunted the same way and the way they when they came out um and they voted on it here in the state it was, uh, they called it barbaric and inhumane and all this kind of thing. They took that away, and yet it's still getting done. They, that's the only effective way to do it. All the tree farms you got around here, you know, the bears destroy a lot of the trees. So they, uh, the state hires trappers or uh, hires houndsmen to go in, and they're still hounding them. But the public doesn't have access to do it that way. Only, uh, only they do. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um they just try to hide that from the public, I guess, in a way, because they get so emotional about it. Um, but again, it's it got labeled as barbaric, inhumane, and all that, but um, that's just a complete emotional response. That's kind of the how the political uh, party flows around our state. They, uh, they tend to win those arguments here with the folks that we have around Seattle. So... Yeah, interesting topic. It's always an interesting topic to read. Yeah, bears are weird. I, I mean, read Instagram. Like I said, I, I love on. watching bears. I love looking at bears. They're just they're one of the coolest critters. Um, but there's also a need to thin them out. You know, they uh, they do take out a lot of fawns, elk calves in the springtime um when they're dropping so it's uh it's definitely there's definitely need for it 
and I absolutely love the meat, so <laughs> it works. We, uh, you know, taking two bears. If I was to miss, you know, opportunity to be able to deer hunt, and I could just get those bears and get that meat in my freezer, I would be completely content with that. Um, I just I like the meat that much. So bears are really cute, but then again, I think of that poor guy that got eaten in his tent by all those bears that were really cute that he loved. You know, well that guy was an idiot. Well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like <laughs> Timothy Treadwell. I think that that is when we talk about the conception. You know, that yeah. is where people go and they they believe that these animals are. And I, hey, I'm I could be one of those I. I could get out there and say that I believe that animals, they definitely, they, I mean, you watch them, you go to the mountains, there's a reason you hunt these animals, there's something magical about animals, the way they live, the way, I mean, how harsh is it to be an animal, you know, if you're surviving and you're living past a year, whether you're a bear or a cougar or an elk or a no, oh, yeah, I mean they're you are they're way tougher than we are. You're a survivor, and you yeah. know they make it through winters, they make it through droughts, they make it through you know low food. They some of them don't, and it's well, a it's harsh... incredible just what bears look at what a bear does. I mean, he hibernate, they hibernate oh for all those months, and they come out and they still got fat on them. It's amazing what their bodies will do to shut down mm-hmm. for that amount of time, and just. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, animals are definitely magical in a sense that I think there's a longing in humans of something about that, about being wild like that, but, but they are wild, and their brains are not like ours, you know, they don't have cerebral cortexes like ours to make choices like, should I love this guy or should I eat this guy, you know, it's, it's all, in, it's instinctual reactions and stuff, and and you are just part of the food chain and part of that, just like they are. And so, um, you know, I, I think, I think remembering that when we get caught up in the emotional thing of, of them is, you know, they are wild. <laughs> yeah. And until the Smokey the Bear comes out and says something to me, then. <laughs> Who is it? It's I grew up by Yellowstone Park, so I mean, come on, Smokey the Bear was like a, a piece of my childhood. We went to Yellowstone Park every single summer. We camped on Yellowstone Lake. You know, we went to we we did we've been to Yellowstone multiple times a year. We go, Smokey the Bear is like you know, that's what you see, and uh, so hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, but. The bear meat is good, and uh, we'll put some. I'll put a recipe on the website, and anything else, babe? I don't know. I'm dragging. Dude, we're tired. I'm so tired. I think I probably just babbled through this (laughs) because, uh, yeah, I can hardly keep my eyes open. Um, Okay. Well, we. We'll be back with, uh, we got some cool guests coming up in the next couple weeks and some fun stuff coming up for the summer. So stay tuned and we appreciate all you listeners out there and all you new subscribers. And if you get a chance and, you know, you have an extra 30 seconds in your day, leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. Uh, Just, you know, tell us how you feel. But 
five stars would be awesome. <laughs> okay. Good job, babe. Congrats. Thank you. Yep. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening to the Hunt and Harvest Health podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Visit our website at huntharvesthealth.com for more podcast stories and recipes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hunt Harvest Health. You can also message me at stahealthyhunter, that's S-T-H, and I will be more than happy to answer any questions you might have. Also tag your photos, Hunt Harvest Health, or Get Stealthy, as we enjoy seeing what you guys are doing as well.